This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. You won't be surprised to learn that Bishop Strickland has been getting some rather serious pushback for his recent comments where he pointed out what, well, seems like the obvious for most of us, that there are those who are using the Synod on Synodality to propose changes to the faith, and th those doing so are, in fact, the real schismatics. This was a point made by Cardinal Burke in his recent writings that I covered late last week, and he is also getting pushback for those comments. There are clear divisions forming up in the church now, which is unfortunate because all who profess to be Catholics should be united under the same creed and in union with a Roman pontiff who preserves and promulgates the faith. But that's not the situation we're in today, and those divisions are the natural consequence of decades of innovation and changes made to the faith, but coming from the very top of the church. Our story today is two parts, really. Shortly in the first part, I'll show you a couple of, or in the second part, rather, I'll show you a couple of clips from an interview that you should watch in full that Bishop Strickland gave, where he explains some key points in his letter. But first, I want to set the stage by showing you the criticism he's receiving, because it does expose the thinking of those who want the faith to become more secular. And he actually addresses what they're saying in a roundabout way. Our story comes from the British newspaper, The Catholic Herald, with this headline. Leading U.S. Catholics Clash Over Schismatic Synod Agenda. All right, so throughout the article, the author quotes Bishop Strickland, but before they do, they put the term basic truths in scare quotes, which is meant to suggest the term is not in fact true, that the basic truths spoken about by Bishop Strickland aren't necessarily basic or even true. If you recall, Bishop Strickland in his letter addressed several areas of concern that the Synod is debating and how many influential figures at this synod are pushing for changes to the faith at the synod. Now, it's also worth noting here that the synodal documents from each continental session, most of the dioceses and the national bishops' conferences all call for the same changes to the faith too. Even independent polling research shows that most Catholics in the pews want the church to change her teachings on certain hot-button issues, including what I call the Moloch ritual, as well as that sin that James Martin has an unhealthy interest in. It's little wonder that the article here puts the term basic truths in scare quotes when, by all accounts, relatively few Catholics accept the church's teaching on morality anymore. That's just simply true. To drive the point home, the article focuses at the start of it not on what Bishop Strickland said, but on Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church and his response to the things that Bishop Strickland said in his letter. And that's meant to put the bishop in a bad light. Here's what Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church had to say on Bishop Strickland's warning, that those pushing for changes in the faith are the real schismatics. So from that article, quote, A controversial American Jesuit priest has made a robust defense of the forthcoming Vatican Synod in the face of claims by critics that it will produce division and schism within the Catholic Church. Jesuit Father James Martin one of the foremost apologists of the James Martin program for normalizing certain sins that crowd to heaven for justice in the church and among the American delegation, chosen by Pope Francis to attend the Synod on Synodality in October, has asked what is schismatic about, quote, asking how the church might grow. I don't think that asking how the church might grow, as it has on many issues like involuntary servitude, ecumenical relations, and so on, is in any way schismatic. 
Martin, the editor-at-large of America Magazine and a longtime leader in outrage to the uh, James Martin crowd of Catholics, told Crux. In point of fact, there is a process that the Holy Father is asking us to participate in, Father Martin explained. In doing this, we are in union with the successor of St. Peter, who is asking us to listen to the Holy Spirit. As such, it's the definition of orthodoxy. End quote. Note how Francis becomes the definer of orthodoxy, which I suppose, in theory, if he's actually the Pope, should be how it works. But the Pope is supposed to preserve the faith and teach it. He's to ensure that the faith is kept intact, not undermine it, not promote innovations, not change it. But we've seen this playbook before, of course. Those who oppose what Francis is doing are the schismatics, according to the modernists in Rome and in the Catholic media. And that's not news. That's, in fact, hardly controversial at all at this point. Instead of dwelling on that point, I want to bring to your attention something else instead. A small Catholic channel had an interview with Bishop Strickland that was about half an hour in length. And I have permission from the host of that channel to show you a couple of clips from the interview he did with, Bishop, with the bishop. Where Bishop Strickland responds to much of these allegations against him. Or at least, but he doesn't really respond to them as allegations. He just explains what he was saying. I'll have a link to the interview here on YouTube in the pinned comment below. And if you're not watching this on YouTube, then a link to the interview will be available for you in the show notes at returntotradition.org. I recommend watching the full interview for yourself, but here is the first clip where we see Bishop Strickland remind us that we actually do have a duty to resist the efforts of those who want to change the faith. And that duty comes from our fidelity to Christ, which must always come first. And you, uh, in the letter, you quote St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. And, you know, in his letters, he doesn't shy away from times from admonishing the faithful, but he does it in love, right? He's, he's, it's so clear that he loves his flock and he wants what's best for them. So it's not just a matter of hellfire and brimstone or whatever, but it's, it's, it's really so that they will enjoy eternal life. Can you speak to, that spirit of St. Paul's loving admonishment to not accept an alternative gospel. Absolutely. He, uh, he makes it clear that Jesus Christ has given, a, he's revealed the fullness of truth. And I mean, this is first century, of course, when Paul is writing. And already, you know, I mean, even as Christianity is being established, there are people fighting against it, rejecting it. I mean, the same real circumstances we have in the 21st century. So I think what that quotation really gets at is we know this to be true. It's not going to change. Even an angel can come down and say, oh, this is changing. No, it's not going to change. And I think that whole tone of looking at some major points of faith and saying, well, we may change this. We have a, a new gospel or the spirit has moved us in a different direction. Paul is saying that's not going to happen. So be alert when you see it happening and say, no, not. I mean, he says in the letter, basically, even if it's Paul saying, oh, we found something new. We found something that changes all this. Reject it because he knew. And to me, Paul, <laughs> that is what it comes down to. Paul, the evangelist and apostle, knew Jesus Christ. He didn't walk with him the way the, the 12 did, but he knew him 
intimately with that encounter on the road to Damascus. And, and frankly, the two of us, Paul and Joe, we're just men who know Jesus Christ. And if you really know him, and if you know he is truth incarnate, that's what I hear Paul saying is that, you know, it's not going to change ever. It's eternal truth. And I mean, he uses, as you say, it's a loving tone, but love sometimes needs to be very clear and even could be judged to be harsh. Um, but he says, let them be accursed if they try to bring uh, uh, and the idea that a new gospel, a, a change of this truth. And that's to be accursed. That's a pretty strong word. But I think it shows the passion of Paul. And it's the same passion that we need to have for the truth that Christ has lived, died, and risen to share with us. Bishop Strickland reminds us that Christ has given us the fullness of truth. How, given that, does the church grow? Remember, James Martin wants the church to grow in her understanding of these things. How does the church grow if she has already been given the fullness of the truth? As Bishop Strickland reminds us, Scripture tells us clearly that if someone comes with a new gospel, even an angel or an apostle, that they are to be rejected. That's all the permission you need to, res to resist these weirdos in Rome. And Pastor Jimmy Martin is preaching a new gospel. That's clearly what he's doing. It's not the Catholic faith that he preaches. The advocates for the synod to change the faith are, pre are preaching a new gospel, and they are to be rejected. Now, in this next clip, Bishop Strickland reminds us of the fact that the church has been promised that she will prevail, and that the church has, in fact, been in hard times before. The church was not abandoned in, in the previous times in history when things looked grim with widespread corruption among the clergy in the past, and our Lord has not abandoned his church now. And Bishop Strickland does acknowledge that this may be some of the worst times in all the history of the church. But I did have to trim this down a bit for brevity, but again, I'll have a link to the full interview in the comment section and on, at returntotradition.org. So go look for that link if you want to watch the full clip. Well, he's, he's promised he would be with us until the end of the age, that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And I think one way to to be more comfortable with that is is to learn some history. The church has gone through a lot. I mean, I think we're in in one of the most unique times, if not the most unique, with the controversies we're facing. But the church has gone through a lot. Read about the fourth century or third and fourth century with Arianism or read about the year 1000 when St. Peter Damien was dealing with a lot of the same issues that we're dealing with now. Um, just know history and trust in, the, in what the Lord says. I think what history does is show us we see examples of it looked like the church was collapsing, like at the, the time of Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. Um, but then the Counter-Reformation happens and, you know, the church continues. The church, you know, I think we tend to measure the church in, because we're human, and in human worldly terms, mm -hmm. how many numbers, how much wealth, all these things. But I love the, the image. And, and to me, it helps with my understanding of what is Christ really saying when he says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Um, I like to think of the image of the church as the mystical body of Christ. And in that image, what when I think about the mystical body of Christ, that is you and me and 
billion other people, really, at least millions and millions of true believers that they we are the church. And just look to the martyrs. I mean, they're individuals for which the gates of hell did not prevail. Now, I'm leaving the best things Bishop Strickland said for you to watch in the full interview over on the Sangreal channel. So go check that out and let the host, Paul, know I sent you over. Bishop Strickland speaks about schism and how those in schism break from the truth of the faith. It's a different take than what Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church is offering, that is certainly for sure. But I'm curious what you think about this in general. What impression do you have of Bishop Strickland's response to those who claim that the church should grow in her understanding of these things? Is there room for growth in the church on these issues as Pastor Jimmy Martin suggests? Or is there a fundamental difference between what the church has said about involuntary servitude and scriptural and magisterial condemnations of certain sins and the church's limits on who can be ordained? Are there fundamental differences? I think there are rather fundamental in fact, but I want to know what you think. So let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It certainly does help. So just sharing this on social media, that helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.